seven. <clears throat> so we are continuing this uh, 2020 series where we have uh, looked for the gospel. We uh, continue to look for the gospel from one cover to the next. And uh, now we see how it affects our lives. So uh, remember, everything in the first five chapters led up to what we saw in chapter 6 last week, where a shift takes place uh, from worship to wrath. And it was there that we saw the first of three sets of seven divine judgments. So if chapters 1 through 5 give us, give us a small glimpse of God's holiness, then the next 14 give us a glimpse of the severity of our sin and what God, our holy God, must do because of it. Uh, So six seals are opened there in chapter 6. Just like Jesus told us he would, it would happen in Matthew 24, this is the order of them. First we will see uh, the Antichrist or false Christs. Second is war. Third is scarcity or famine. Fourth is widespread pestilence. Uh, So these are the first four seals of judgment that only, remember, only Jesus was able to open. And so I I know probably a lot of us, uh, it's crossed our minds at some point over the last couple of years, uh, the midst of this global pandemic, are we living in the last days? Well, 2 Timothy 3 describes the last days as perilous. And then it goes on to list 14 different adjectives describing those perilous times and what perilous people will be like. Uh, And and there's a warning to avoid such people. And it's almost like the old pastor Timothy took a snapshot of our world right here in 2022 uh, when he wrote this warning. So uh, we can describe our times as perilous. So yes, I believe we are in the last days. Those last days started with the ascension of Jesus to heaven. So a better question might be, are we at the end of the last days? And to that question, uh, I don't know. Uh, But the events that are are taking place during our time, uh, they show us how quickly the events of Revelation could, can, and will happen. Uh, You know, every generation before us uh, couldn't fathom how some of these judgments could take place, but we can. The death of the two witnesses in chapter 11, seeing them around the world, um, not too many generations before us couldn't fathom seeing them around the world, but now we have devices in our pockets that will allow us to do that within minutes. A worldwide shutdown and scarcity, oh yeah, we can see how that would happen. Uh, it could happen very quickly. So we don't know when, but we can look at the program of revelation kind of like as we walked into the program the 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 show we got a program this is god's program to tell us how the events of the end will unfold uh john recorded two responses to the first seals one was from heaven and another was from earth heaven's response was from the martyred saints if you remember avenge us was their cry avenge us Uh, how long until our blood is avenged and god's answer was simply, well, it's just not time yet. There will be more martyrs to come. This is all in my plan. Wait for my timing. You know, we may not want to hear it, but the saints being killed for their faith is all part of God's plan. Persecution is all part of God's plan. Now, the response from earth comes from those who didn't put their faith in Jesus, the impenitent, if you will. And what did they say? They said, Hide us. Hide us from the wrath of God. 
uh, hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. They came in the form of worldwide catastrophes like this world has never seen before. All of nature will be affected. Sun, moon, stars, mountains, islands. And the lost could not stand in the presence of God and the Lamb. It proves what Warren Wearsby said. We looked at this quote last week. If we, can, if we will not yield to the love of God and allow ourselves to be changed by the grace of God, we cannot escape the wrath of God. And there will come a time when the door of God's grace will be closed. So I'm currently several weeks ahead, um, but up to this point in my studies on Revelation, chapter 7 has been the most difficult for me to sift through and some, come to some kind of understanding. And so it's my prayer that uh, we won't all walk away more confused than when we came in. Uh, the, the first blank on your outline, I believe, is uh, chapter 7 presents a parenthesis before the seventh seal. A parenthesis. Um, I, I, I might have mentioned uh, a time or two that I don't have all of this figured out. I mean, we could open 10 different commentaries and get 10 different opinions as to what these passages mean. And probably about eight of them would have pretty uh, convincing biblical arguments as to why they believe that. And so while we cannot know all the answers, um, these are what are called rib issues, as opposed to heart issues. Uh, Heart issues are the non-negotiables. I mean, uh, things like who is Jesus, who is God, what are we in in his presence, how are we we made right with God. These are non-negotiables. There is only one way, and that is the most important heart issue. And if if we don't agree on that, then we probably shouldn't be in the same church. But some of these other topics, uh, they're not as important. Um, You know, some of us don't like to admit it, but there are some gray areas with interpretation of Scripture where the Bible doesn't just come out and give us specific answers. These are the rib issues. And we got to remember, we're friends, we're on the same team, um, we may disagree on our interpretation of Revelation, but we can agree that Jesus saves and Jesus wins, and that is most important. Uh, so some interpret Revelation not chronologically, but cyclical or circular. Uh, I'll use the term cyclical in the message today. Cyclical means that the events in chapter 6 through 19 means it, they don't happen one after another, but they are a spiring, spiraling cycle moving toward the end and each event may describe the same thing from a different perspective Uh, so think of it like a like a symphony each instrument is adding another layer so that we eventually get the completed work Uh, how we view these events uh, depends on our view of the rapture we talked about it a little bit last week it's taken from the Greek word rapturo, which means to be taken up. It's not actually found in our English Bible, but the concept is. Uh, some believe that the church will be raptured by Jesus just before the seven-year judgment or the great tribulation comes. Uh, among others, passages like Ephesians 2 are used for evidence. Because it says, before Christ we were children of wrath, but God, because of his great love, through Jesus, has changed that. And so the argument is, if we are not children of wrath, then we won't be, won't be around for the wrath of God to come at the end times. 
Uh, still others believe that the church will be taken in the middle of the seven years, using passages from Daniel 7, Daniel 9, Daniel 12 as evidence for that belief. Uh, these talk about a time, times, and a half time. And uh, most conservative scholars will, will uh, translate time as a year. So if we, we add those up, it's three and a half years. Still others believe it will be closer to the end of the seven-year tribulation. Again, um, we're not here to argue that, but depending upon the lens that you look at Scripture through, you may come up with different views, but we trust that Jesus is working out the details of his return. And so with the grace of God, we will try to walk through chapter 7 together. Um, I would like to point out two different views here today. Uh, the literal and the figurative. The first one we'll look at is literal. It is the, first, the next blank on your outline. So recall chapter 6 ended with a question. Verse 17 says, The great day of God's wrath has come. Who is able to stand? That question is answered in chapter 7 through two visions. One of Jews and one of Gentiles. And so uh, if you are able, please let's stand out of respect for the word of God. As we read chapter 7, 1 through 8, God's word says this, After these things I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. So what we see here is even the cosmos are affected. Uh, verse 2, then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed. 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. And notice verses 5 through 8. It says, Of the tribe of Judah... Reuben, Gad, Asher, Naphtali, Manasseh, Simeon, Levi, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, Benjamin, 12,000 were sealed. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Thank you. You can have a seat. So number one there on your outline is the vision of the sealed Jews. Now the, the literal view of, of chapter 7 says... That there will be people come to Christ during the tribulation. Uh, once Jesus returns and ushers in the millennium, uh, the, the period of a thousand years that Christ reigns on earth, then that door of grace will be closed. It will be too late. But during the time of the great tribulation, God will save. Um, through his two witnesses in chapter 11, God will raise up an army of Jews. Now, some of the evidence of that view is right here in Revelation 7. The word sealed in the original language is sfragizo. Go ahead and say that with me. Sfragizo. That's, that's the word, sealed. And, and so here's what it means, to be secured from Satan. You can write that down. Sfragizo, or sealed, means secured from Satan. Confirmed or authenticated as real, marked by God like a ring, a signet ring in wax. Now, if you've ever uh, watched any shows where they bring in an autograph, they will always bring in an expert to authenticate it. The expert verifies the worth and the authenticity. 
If it's found to be a fake or a copy, it's not worth anything. And so here in Revelation 7, God is the expert and he will authenticate his own. Now, when used of people in the New Testament, that word sfragizo, or sealed, it always describes believers. Uh, Ephesians 1.13, in Jesus you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed, sfragizo, with the Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians 4.30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed, there it is again, sfragizo, for the day of redemption. Now, do unbelievers have the Holy Spirit? They do not. They do not. And so, um, we know from scriptures like Romans 8, 9, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, we receive the Holy Spirit the moment we trust Jesus as our Savior. So, sealed is describing believers. And in the case of Revelation 7, 144,000 Jewish descendants will come to know and trust Jesus during the time of the tribulation, during this time of the outpouring of God's wrath. 12,000 believers from each of the 12 tribes. Now, historically, uh, the Jews are still waiting for the Messiah. And here in Revelation 7, we see that these are sealed and called by God to be his special witnesses. This army of evangelists, in the midst of all this tribulation, they are supernaturally protected and secured or sealed from Satan. And even though survival will be extremely difficult, God will give them the strength and the power to do so. So whether or not you believe they are figurative or if they're literal, don't miss the fact. Whatever view you take, these 144,000 elect at the end of time, they symbolize God's faithfulness. Bottom line, they symbolize God's faithfulness to protect his own throughout the ages. You can write that down. They symbolize God's faithfulness. Now, part of the mystery of taking these 144,000 literally is this list of the tribes of Revelation is different than the list of the tribes in the Old Testament. Here in Revelation, Joseph is included. Usually his sons Ephraim and Manasseh are instead. Also, the tribe of Dan is omitted, though it is usually included. Now, we don't know the answers why, but we take by faith that God has a plan, and it will be thorough, it will be complete, and it will not be stopped. These 144,000, they have a mission. God used 12 disciples to change the world over 2,000 years ago. In the future, he will use 12 times 12,000. So in the literal view, the first vision is of sealed Jews. The second vision is of saved Gentiles. Saved Gentiles. Uh, look at verse 9. After these things, I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hand, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne, and the elders and the four living creatures, and fell on their faces before the throne, and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. 
Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor heat, nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to fountains of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You know, Jesus' last words before he left this earth commission in Matthew 28. It all culminates right here. It climaxes right here. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Here we go. Here we see it, it did. It went to all the world. Verse 9 describes this multitude. All nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues. So apparently these 144,000 sealed Jews are witnesses to the Gentile multitudes that come to know Christ during the tribulation. Now church, don't miss this. That even in the midst of the fullness of, of the wrath of God upon sin and sinners, there is still grace because He is still offering mercy and salvation. Notice how this multitude is described. No matter what view you take, this describes believers. And so this is telling us our future. Uh, first, you can write these down. We are accepted. They're described as accepted. Allowed to stand before the throne of God, verse 9 tells us. Faultless to stand before the throne. That means that they were forgiven, they were perfect, and we know that only the blood of Jesus does that. Secondly, they were full of worship. Full of worship. Notice their words. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And then the chorus of worship fills the halls of heaven. The angels stood around the throne, verse 11, and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Notice the seven things attributed to God alone. Blessing, glory, wisdom, thanksgiving, honor, power, might. No matter what view of revelation you take, these all belong to God. And in heaven, for all eternity, He is and will be worshipped because of them. Also notice, thirdly, these Gentile believers, they were given a job. They were given a job. It was the privilege of serving God. Verse 15, therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. That was their job, serving the Lord. What was intended in Genesis 1 will be restored. And fourthly, they were also given relief. Verse 16, they shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the Lamb, who is in the midst of the throne, will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. See, church, one thing that we can look forward to when we get to heaven 
is being able to serve God perfectly with no inhibitions, with no distractions. We will be relieved from the power and effects of sin. The Lamb will be our shepherd. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and we will be completely satisfied in Him. So if we take the literal view, the parentheses of chapter 7, they tell us of God's grace and mercy. Even in the midst of all this deserved wrath upon sin, God is still staying true to His nature. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And here in Revelation, God is still love. God is still the God who seeks the lost. God is still the God who offers the gift of life through His Son, Jesus. But what we see here is what we see in our world mostly today. Most people reject Jesus. That's the next blank on your outline. Most reject. The majority reject him. Matthew 7, 13. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the, is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Similar to today. In the future people will choose to follow Satan. It will be the Antichrist then. But people will prefer to trust Satan over God. And eventually their time will run out. And they will not have opportunity for salvation anymore. And that's where the wrath and judgment of chapter 6 will be poured out on them. William Henderson wrote this. Man, try to visualize what John saw. Take a, a picture as the whole. Heaven itself curling up like a piece of paper, rolling up like a scroll. The sun, its light blotted out so that it resembles a black sack used in mourning. The moon becomes a big, awe-inspiring, bloody ball. The stars turned out of their orbits and plunging to earth in great showers. The earth itself quaking violently so that every house crashes to the ground and every mountain and island suddenly disappears what a picture of dread and despair and consternation for the wicked. We can think of it like this. Everything anyone could worship will be gone as God makes it clear that He is the only one worthy of worship. So that's the literal view. Secondly, the figurative view. Remember, chapter 6, 17, it ended with a question. The great day of the wrath of God has come. Who can stand? Chapter 7, 1 through 8 tells us the 144,000 Jews could. So the figurative view could take a couple of different paths. What, <coughs> excuse me. One says that these 144,000, uh, they represent all the Jewish people who have come to know Christ throughout the ages. Another says that they represent all who come to know Christ uh, in general. And so they're now all God's people, and it's not just the Jews. And the vision of the Gentiles and the vision of the Jews are the same group of people. God's people in different times. Uh, Notice what the angel said in verse 3 again. He said, uh, do not harm the earth 
the sea, or the trees till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. Now, if we remember correctly, uh, the earth has already been harmed. It was shaken just a chapter ago. We've seen the effects of war. We have, we've seen, it leaves devastation. We've seen that. And so this could be the same judgment of chapter 6. So we're going back to before the judgments of chapter 6 here and looking at them from a different vantage point. That, that second group, the vision of the saved Gentiles, are they actual Gentiles coming out of the great tribulation? Are they Gentiles who have trusted Jesus throughout the years? They're wearing white robes like the martyrs in chapter 6. Maybe they're martyrs. Uh, the, the week that I, I worked on chapter 7 here, I told several people, um, chapter 7 is kicking my tail. Um, because there are so many different valid possibilities of interpretation. But here is the conclusion that the Lord brought me to. Uh, we don't know exactly when this will all happen. Uh, this revelation, it may be figurative, it may be literal, it may be both. And if that's the case, we will never figure it out completely. There are some things that we can't know, but we shouldn't get hung up on the things that we can't know. We can't miss the fact that it doesn't matter when it happens, because no matter when it does, we see what we've been looking for throughout this entire series. From one cover to the next, the one scarlet thread that runs throughout, and it, that is the gospel. We see the gospel. The bottom line is that God is saving his people. God is protecting them. He is authenticating them. He is saving through the blood of the Lamb. Who can stand in the most terrible day of God's wrath? Only God's So with that, let's just read through this one more time and we as we close. After these things I looked, try to picture in your mind what's going on here. And, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, people, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. And crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And then one of the elders answered, saying to me, who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And so he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before his throne, the throne of God, and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger any more nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of waters. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Church, that's the gospel. That Jesus came to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. 
allowing us to stand in the day of God's wrath against sin. Because Jesus paid it all, we could be clothed in white when this does happen. Do you know him this morning? If you don't, maybe today could be the day of salvation. If you do, do you live like it? Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes as we go into a time of invitation?